Let's get into the book of Isaiah and chapter 24, and I'll be working from my uh, Jewish commentaries. Probably um, I and Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum have the most of the Jewish commentaries. Uh, I don't, I've never asked him, talked to him about it, but I'm sure he has a lot of them. I'm blessed to have what's called the Somsino, complete set of Jewish commentaries, plus many other volumes. And we're going to be looking at what the Jews say about Isaiah 24. Now let's get some background. Uh, the book is written to, uh, concerning the southern kingdom. Our prophet is Isaiah, written around 700 B.C., and uh, it's an incredible passage of, of, of chapters or packet of chapters, I should say, dealing with the Messiah, more messianic than any other book, uh, more prophetic than any other book, and uh, Isaiah is just, is just profound. Right here in about the middle of the book, we have this chapter 24 that gives us incredible details about the coming world tribulation. Let's break it down. Let's break the chapter down. Verses 1 through 6, the devastation to the earth of this world tribulation. Of course, you know that the, the bulk of the book of Revelation deals with the seven-year tribulation period, and uh, this is parallel to the book of Revelation. I, I could wear my thumbs out going back and forth to Revelation, but I probably won't do that. But uh, you'll, you'll obviously hear passages that are clearly you can find in the book of Revelation. Also Matthew 24. So verses 1 through 6, devastation to the earth. Verses 7 through 13, devastation in the social and cultural fabric of the world. The social and cul cultural fabric of the world. The world socially will be turned upside down in this horrible period that strikes the earth. In verses 14 through 16, the survivors around the world. There seems to be a picture of of those who are in the tribulation but who are surviving it and even praising God. And that's verses 14 through 16. Verses 17 through 20, the terror that falls on the inhabitants of the earth. Verses 21 and 22, the judgment on the demonic fallen angelic hordes. The demonic fallen angelic hordes. And would you believe that the Jewish rabbis absolutely agree with that? They agree also with the same thing, uh, with, this, with what's going on in the passage. And this uh, totally surprised me uh, to, to read this. And so, of course, I'm very, I'm very pleased that they have the same view. But uh, they also see uh, Satan and the, um, uh, the hosts of the, of the fallen angels uh, mentioned in verse 21 of, of, um, of chapter 24 here. And then finally, verse 23, the glory of the reign of the Messiah. Now, right off the bat, I want to read to you what the Jewish rabbis say. And you see, those of us who are premillennial, who are premillennial and dispensational, we believe that Christ comes to establish the kingdom. We believe in a literal world tribulation. All of the your covenant guys, your Presbyterian guys, don't believe this. They go mum. They go silent. Uh, and I want to tell you, folks, they are absolutely wrong. They're wrong. If you think that Sproul is, is so great on radio, and he's a nice guy, okay, but he is wrong to cut out all Bible prophecy. And we premillennialists who believe that Christ comes to establish the millennial reign, pre-premillennial, we are in the camp of the Orthodox Jews. 
who've always seen the Bible in a literal sense. We are, we are doing it right. If you want to know what camp you're in, you're in the right camp. Don't be fooled by covenant theology. Now, there's many things that I admire in Calvinism. I call myself a kind of a Calvin, Calvinist. I'm a four-pointer. But uh, I don't worship Calvin. And uh, did you know that Calvin wrote a commentary on every book of the Bible but one? And you, got the, you, you, you know which one he didn't write the book, <laughs> write a commentary on? Revelation, because he just refused to see uh, premillennialism. He just would not do it. He still thought the church had replaced Israel. The church was the kingdom. But let me read to you what the Jews say about chapters, this chapter 24 and uh, from 24 through 27, chapters 24 through 27 of Isaiah. These four chapters form a distinct group of oracles strongly marked by their general prophetic character. They speak of God's desolating judgment of the world, the terrors of that great day, the suppression of the power of evil in heaven and on earth, the consequent blessings upon Israel and humanity, the abolition of death forever, and the wiping away of tears from all faces. That sounds like Hal Lindsey. That sounds like Dr. <laughs> Dr. J. Dwight Pentecost, Dr. Ryrie, Dr. Schofield, Dr. Walford. But it's the Jewish commentary, okay? My Soncino commentary on the book of Isaiah. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that fantastic? That uh, they flat understand what we understand, how we see the Bible. All right, let's get into verses 1 through 6. The devastation that falls upon the earth. The devastation that falls upon the earth. And by the way, this comes from or parallel to Matthew chapter uh, 20, uh, 24. Okay? Uh, chapter 24. Behold, the Lord lays the earth waste. By the way, this is prophecy. We need to translate it as a future tense. The Lord will lay waste and devastate the world, the earth. He will distort its surface and scatter its inhabitants. And the people will be like the priests, the priest that is, and the servant like his master, and the maid like her mistress, the buyer like the seller, the lender like the borrower, the creditor like the debtor. What is going on in that verse 2? Well, it's a prelude, and we get on further down, and we see how society and culture is turned upside down. But this is a prelude to that thought, how everything is topsy-turvy in the world. The world will be so devastated. In fact, that's one of the words used in the English text. It will be distorted. The inhabitants will be scattered. That nothing will be the same. This is a horrible period coming on the world. And folks, as I look at American culture, I don't have to look at the rest of the world, just American culture. I mean, we are building up a wrath like you cannot believe. But the rest of the world just doesn't believe. America has a certain, uh, certain tradition, Judeo-Christian tradition, and we are, th we are just uh, thumbing God in the face. We are absolutely turning to the most decadent uh, nation on earth. And when this tribulation falls, everything will be turned topsy-turvy. That's what the verse just said. The people will be like the, the priest, the servant like the master, the maid like her mistress, the buyer like the seller. Everything is just turned upside down. And it gets back to the horrors that will fall upon the earth in verse 3. The earth will be completely laid waste and completely despoiled. For the Lord has spoken this word. 
Now guess who's going to do all this? <laughs> guess who's going? Guess who's going to bring this devastation? God Almighty. If you don't believe in the sovereignty of God, you might as well close your Bible and, you know, go go sell shoes or something. Don't go to church this Sunday if you don't believe in the sovereignty of God. God's going to do this. This is from God. God is predicting it, and God will carry it out. And it's a judgment from on high. This is not just what people will be doing to each other, and they will be uh, sinning against each other. People still are responsible. People are sinners. But the overall terror is coming from above. It's coming from the Lord. Look at verse 4. The earth will mourn and will wither. The earth will fade and wither. And the exalted people of the earth will fade away. Those who think they're so high and mighty, all the Hollywood stars, all the, politici all the politicians, uh, all the artists, uh, all the wealthy folks who think they're so great, guess what? They will fade away. Their money, their prestige, their positions will do, will do them no good. When the world is turned upside down, when it's turned upside down physically, socially, culturally, personally, I mean everything will come to a stop. And this passage is graphic as to what is going to take place. Uh, verse 5, the earth will be polluted by its inhabitants, polluted by its inhabitants, for they will transgress laws, plural, <coughs> laws, violate statutes and break the eternal covenant. Now, what is going on there? First of all, laws is plural. Now, I'm going to tell you what I think it's talking about with the word laws. They will, they will violate or pollute uh, the inhabitants. They, they, will, they will transgress the laws. By the way, notice they will pollute, the, the inhabitants will pollute the earth. Uh, the Hebrew word means to defile, uh, to be wicked against the earth, to be unclean, to be morally, could, could, could imply immoral pollution, but it certainly could imply physical pollution. The world is destroying its own, its own environment right now as I speak, and, and we really don't care. <clears throat> so a few liberals do, but basically we're marching on in destruction, if this is what it's talking about, the laws, the natural laws, the environmental laws, but it could refer to the moral laws. And there are moral laws, even among the Gentiles, even in the world, there are certain morality. Now, he goes on and says they have will break the eternal covenant. What is the eternal covenant? Well, Jeremiah calls the eternal covenant the new covenant, which is basically, put it real simple, that's the, that's the cross of Christ, the fact of personal salvation. Let me tell you, read to you what the, uh, what the Jewish commentator, the commentators say on verse 5. They say this, quote, The Torah, or the law of Moses, which was given at Mount Sinai, as a covenant between God and Israel. And that's one view. Others refer the phrase to the Noahic covenant made between God and the human race after the flood. Under this covenant, every member of the human race is subject to certain moral laws, one of which is the prohibition of murder. And so the Jewish commentator says, commentators say you've got a choice. The eternal covenant is the Mosaic law, um, or the, it is the Noahic law. Uh, the, one has to do more with the earth. One has to do with God's own uh, moral commandments and so forth. Well, it, it could be. But uh, the new covenant is actually called an eternal covenant, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31. It's called the eternal covenant. 
And uh, so it's very possible that this passage is saying that they are going to break, crush, break, violate, ignore the new covenant, which is the gospel. Now that, that has some oats. Just think about it. That has some that has some possibilities. That the world is thumbing their nose at the gospel. You realize that as I'm speaking right now, as you're listening to me, never, and I don't think it's impacted us hard enough, but never, ever, ever, ever in the history of mankind, with the international internet, have has the world been so tied together. And despite the fact that the internet is used with such evil, the gospel also goes forth from the internet. I just I received an email the other day from a woman doctor. Uh, she is a PhD uh, in uh, in biology from Poland. <laughs> from Poland, and I wish I I wish I'd kept the uh, I wish I'd kept it because bless her heart, her English was terrible. Will use send to me with the author A U T O R send to me the the book B U K on on Luke. And of course, I take took twelve dollars and went to the post office and sent her a signed copy of the book of Luke. My point is, all the way halfway around the world, Poland, uh, she could see my website, my Schofield Prophecy Studies website, and it's incredible. And so I was able to send, and I hope that that commentary will do a great witness, good testimony, all the way to the intellects, if you will, the intelligentsia of Poland. Uh, that God will bless that book. So never before has, has the gospel truth been more available, more uh, clear, more uh, articulated, of course, with tons of error, uh, false prophets, uh, cults, uh, pure pornography on the Internet. But uh, thank God we can use it. So this could be a reference to the uh, crushing of the, of the New Covenant, the eternal covenant. But again, it's not impossible. It's referring to the Mosaic law or even the Noahic law. Uh, that's what the Jewish commentators uh, say about it. Uh, let's look at verse 6. We're looking at verses 1 through 6, devastation on the earth. Therefore, a curse will devour the earth. Where's that curse coming from? Hello? Where's the curse coming from? From God. What is it that will make God so ticked? And I, I believe it could be the verse just before, the rejection, if the eternal covenant is a reference to the new covenant, the rejection of the truth about personal salvation, the cross of Christ, the new covenant, not impossible. And so God will cause a, or bring a curse that will devour, it's like a lion eating a carcass, uh, devour the earth. And those who live on it will be held guilty. That's interesting. There will be no more expatiation. That's a big word that means a sacrifice. No more expatiation because they have rejected. The world will have rejected the sacrifice of the person of Christ. They will be held guilty. Therefore, the inhabitants of the world will be burned, burned up, and few men will be left. Christ says if the tribulation is not stopped, no flesh would survive. Nobody would survive, but God stops it so that he can have uh, those who are saved during the tribulation. People, There will be people saved in the tribulation. Uh, they will enter the kingdom in their, in their natural bodies. And so for their sake, this is what Christ says, Matthew 24, go read it. Uh, God will stop the tribulation. 
but the world will be consumed and, as verse 6 says, few men will be left. Let's go to verses 7 through 13. Devastation in the social and cultural fabric of the world. And we've already touched on that uh, with the verse 2, where everything is turned topsy-turvy. Um, uh, you can expect one person to be this, but he's that per- that that way. You expect him to be that way, but he's this way. Everything is just turned upside down. The social uh, fabric is just to, to distorted and torn, torn apart. So let's look at verses 7 through 13. The new wine will will mourn, and the vine will decay. In other words, the food source will uh, will drop up, will will uh, disintegrate, or or be cut off. The food supply will be cut off. The wine will cease, and all the merry-hearted will sigh. Now, there's a little more in verse seven than just that the wine will cease. I think that's what it's saying, but more than that. People having fun and games, suddenly the fun and games will stop. And wine always represents uh, people getting drunk, and, and uh, uh, that is uh, wine pictures often, people getting drunk and uh, going into debauchery and going into sin. Well, people who just have fun and games and just let it all hang out on the weekends, if you will, suddenly the, the, the merry-hearted will sigh. I mean, they'll be moaning, people who just live for fun, They'll be moaning, and the wine will be gone. The wine will decay. The vine will decay. Uh, the vine will dry up. Now, by the way, I, I want to be real careful, and listen to me carefully, because I, uh, I, I believe without question the whole idea of global warming is a liberal agenda. It is a liberal idea to control the entire world, to make the entire world march to the liberal drum. I really believe that. I do believe that in some cases the world is getting warmer, but not caused by human action. However, however, there are certain things in this passage that might say, hey, uh, uh, we've already started the process of destruction of our, of our habitat. It's already begun. And it, it, will, it will be exacerbated and, and be accelerated in the tribulation period. The destruction, the pollution of the earth uh, will, will increase. And this passage could be saying um, there's no more new wine, no more produce, product of, of, of wine to drink. The vine will decay. You, you can't go out and, and get uh, fruit or, or grapes, if you will, or wine. And the merry-hearted will then start to sigh, that is, in pain, because of what's coming upon the earth. Verse 7, the gaiety of the tambourines will cease. Uh, Lacey and I cannot stomach the stuff that's going on television right now, but of course you can't miss it with the commercials. I want you to look at the stupidity of the programming the the uh, it, it's virtually a social debauchery on television already. The things we're hearing, the things we're seeing, and as I say, we don't watch that junk. I watch old movies and I watch a documentary, and that's it. <clears throat> but you can't miss what other people are are listening to and watching on television. And this says, boy, that all that fun and games is going to end. The gaiety of song will cease. 
They'll quit playing the tambourine. They'll be, they'll be sitting down sighing. Everything will be destroyed that people are, are depend upon to make them happy in this life. And then the rest of verse 9, the noise of the reveler will stop. The noise of the reveler will stop, and the gaiety of the harp will cease. I mean, American, the, the program American Idols, American Idol will stop, folks. Uh, all the junk on television will cease. And by the way, that happened in 9-11. Remember after 9-11, even the television producers, they stopped the funny, crazy, dumb, stupid sitcoms for about a week after 9-11. Isn't that interesting that the world knows, hey, it's not time to be gay now. It's not time to be, you know, fun and games. We need to stop this for a while. They, they can see their own stupidity, in my opinion. All right, verse 9. Uh, they will not drink wine with song anymore. Strong drink will become bitter to those who drink it. I mean, folks, everything that people depend upon just to make them happy, just to feel good, will cease. It'll stop. This is tribulation. Don't, don't forget the context. This is what will happen when, when the world is brought up short and everything collapses. The confusion that will, that will take place. The passage goes on. The city of chaos will be broken down. Is this talking about Jerusalem, a city singular, or is it just using it as a generic sense? All cities, all cities that have confusion, literally, the Hebrew text says, will be reduced to ruins. All, every city or any city that is now full of chaos or confusion will be reduced to ruin. Our large cities will be ruined. You know, I was raised in Dallas, Texas, and, and what a peaceful, good city back in the 40s and 50s. Oh, what a pleasant place to live in. You could leave your door and windows unlocked. You could leave your car unlocked out front. Uh, no, Almost no crime. Almost no crime. And kindness. And uh, uh, very little mayhem. Uh, uh, no, no, almost no drugs. Drugs were unheard of. Uh, and I worked for the television industry starting in, when I was 12. When I was 12, you heard right. I was 12, 1950. Korean War was coming on. I wanted a job in the, for the summer, and I started working in a small uh, television studio that was producing television films. And I could get on the bus at night and go to work at 12 and 13. It was a, it was a wonderful place to live. And the, the cleanness that was on television at that time, the cleanness that was on television at that time. No one would curse um, uh, every Sunday morning. No programming but churches. Now, now look, come on. You know, I, I know that many of those were liberal churches. I understand, and I understand that there's a lot of a lot of garbage. And I'm maybe I'm kind of semi rewriting, but even in my rewriting of the way it was, it was still pretty pretty good. My rewriting is <laughs> is really good in comparison to today. And now look at look at the city of Dallas, and some of you getting this uh, CD don't know about Dallas, but now Dallas is destroyed. Dallas is becoming one of the worst cities in the world. Not not quite as far behind uh, uh, Los Angeles. It's, it's getting it's getting close to Los Angeles because we have broken down culturally, morally, socially. Uh, everything is being destroyed. I think that's prelude. I think that's that's prelude. Our big cities, this what's happening in them is prelude to them. The cities to being being reduced to ruins, 
And by the way, to be reduced to ruins will also happen by atomic weaponry. I believe there will be exchange of missiles between the countries in the tribulation period. And so the passage in verse 10 again says, the city, using a generic sense, the, the big cities, if you will, uh, the cities of confusion will be reduced to ruin. Every house will be shut up so that none may enter. In other words, people will be afraid. They'll lock their houses up. Now, some of you may stop taking uh, this CD, but uh, uh, I've been a pretty good, uh, pretty salty guy most of my life. I mean, uh, I've been I've been an adventuresome guy. Uh, twice I helped to stop robbers and, and bad guys, I mean physically, tackle them to the ground. Uh, twice I used a weapon to stop people who were uh, one guy who was about to molest a woman and I pulled a, pulled a gun, stopped him, held him for the police. Oh, by the way, you have that as a God-given right to physically protect yourself. But look what the passage says. People will close up their houses. They won't open their, their doors at night. That's what the passage is saying. People will fear for their life continually and constantly. That's what the verse just said. Look at verse 11. There will be an outcry in the streets uh, concerning the wine because all joy will turn to gloom and the gaiety of the earth will be banished. They, the, 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 the person who's living right now by getting high, getting drunk on drugs, goes to the, to the wild and woolly parties, who just live, lives for fun, it'll all be gone. That's what the verse is saying. And joy will turn to gloom. Can you imagine what people will be like when all that they have lived for, just living for fun, just living for fun, is gone? When all that's gone and they have no God, they've cut God out of their lives long ago and the, and the world falls apart. I saw a commercial on, on television the other day. I can't believe it. I had to blink twice to make sure I was hearing it right. It says that 1,000 places you need to go before you die. <laughs> I misread it at first. I thought it said 100 places. No, it was 1,000 places. <clears throat> before you die, there's 1,000 places you just need to go see and experience because that's all there is. That's all the world's got. The world's got their drugs, they got their wine, they got their vacations. Um, uh, it, it tickles me all these commercials about women kayaking uh, in the surf up in, off of the, the coast of Oregon. <laughs> They're kayaking by themselves in the surf. Just go have fun. Go have fun by yourself because that's all you got. All the world has is something physical. And these verses are saying, hey, guess what? People will be bemoaned because there's no more wine and their joy will turn to gloom and the gaiety of the earth will, will be banished away. I mean, folks, fun will, fun will be gone. <laughs> fun will be gone. Verse 12, desolation will be left in the city and the gate will be battered to ruins. The city gates were the symbol in the, in the, in the Old Testament of protection. In fact, the city gates were symbols of protection right up through the Middle Ages. <clears throat> they close the city gates at night. And they're symbolic of protection. And this passage is saying what you thought was protection, your city gate, it'll be battered to, to bits. It'll be smashed to smithereens. The gate won't save you. save you. Our technology won't save us. Our missiles won't save us. Please notice how I'm saying this, but I, I watched the, the combat 
going on in Iraq right now in Afghanistan. Here's the most, the most astute nation in the world, the greatest technology ever. And we've got our helicopters, we have our Abram tanks, and we have our missiles and our night vision goggles and all this stuff, and we can't whip a, a few guys running around in pajamas. God has humor. God has humor. You know, we won the first Gulf War pretty quickly. In one sense, we didn't win it. We didn't go in and and, uh, and occupy. We just stopped stopped the the aggression. Okay, but come on, think about it. America didn't win the didn't the, didn't win the Korean War. We didn't win the Vietnam War. We didn't win the, ver- the, the the first Gulf War. If you want to say we just kind of stopped Saddam Hussein's aggression, but we haven't won this war, folks. God has humor. God has humor. It's not our gates. It's not our rockets. It's not our tanks. And the culture turns against God. A nation turns against God. It is Katie bar the door, if you will. Verse 13. For thus it will be in the midst of the earth among the peoples, as the shaking of an olive tree. The shaking of an olive tree, where all the, the olives far, fall off of the tree. The world will be shaken to bits. Notice what the verse said. This is going to happen in the middle of the earth and among the peoples of the earth. The shaking as if the, as if the shaking of the olive tree as the gleanings when the grape harvest is over. When the grape harvest is over, they would come back through and, and, and tear down lions. When the grape harvest is over and the last grape is picked. Boy, God has, oh, mercy. Let me read to you what the Jewish rabbis say on this verse 13 I just read. Tradition applies this verse to the remnant of Israel among the Gentiles. Others see it as a visitation among all the human race, of which only a small remnant will survive. Only a small remnant will survive. Isaiah knew that when this happens, only a small remnant of the world will survive. And the Jewish rabbi, I'm mentioning the whole world here, last in this comment, that's his particular view. This is really a worldwide picture, not simply about the, about the Jews. This is a worldwide, and that's exactly what Christ says. A small, only a small remnant will survive. That's He's virtually quoting Christ in Matthew 24. I'm telling you folks, this world is, is we're, we're, we're up against it. The Orthodox Jews see exactly what we're seeing right now. Those of you listening to this CD and listening to me, they saw it. And by the way, this is written, uh, uh, this this commentary I just quoted from. All right, let me find out. I think it's back in the 50s. Let's see. Uh, going to the front of the book. Let's see. When was this commentary written? The Isaiah Sonsino commentary uh, written in, uh, well, it was first written in 1949. There was other editions, but the first edition was 1949. Okay, so it's uh, almost 60 years ago. The Jewish rabbis wrote what Hal Lindsey would write in his late Great Planet Earth book. (laughs) The, The Jewish rabbis saw it first. They saw it first. Uh, folks, we're in we're in deep trouble, and and you know this shows the eternality of the Word of God. Anyone reading this, even a Jew who doesn't doesn't know Christ but does appreciate the prophets of old, uh, they and we, the sitting here some decades later, can see the same thing in the Word of God. 
We see the same thing in the scriptures. All right, verses 1 through 6, devastation of the earth. Verses 7 through 13, devastation in the social and cultural fabric of the world. <clears throat> verses 14 through 16, 14 through 16, the, the survivors around the world. 14 through 16, let's get to that, that section, the survivors around the world. It seems as if in the middle of this picturing and, and portraying all this destruction, that Isaiah says, yeah, but I hear a voice of joy somewhere else. Uh, around the world, there are some who are rejoicing. Look at verse 14. They raise their voices. They shout for joy. They cry out from the west, from the west, concerning the majesty of the Lord. To, to the west, those that was where the Gentiles resided. To the Jew, who's living in the Middle East, if you will, to speak of the west would have been Europe and the rest of the world, if you will. Very interesting. From the west, from the west, there will be those who will be crying out of the majesty of the Lord. There will be survivors in the tribulation. However, Christ was right. If it's not stopped, no one would survive. <clears throat> there will be Gentiles who survive. There will be Jews who survive. There will be Jews and Gentiles who don't trust Christ who will survive and be judged at the beginning of the kingdom. And there will be many of those who have trusted him even during this horrible tribulation who will be shouting for joy. And maybe they're shouting for joy in the West because they see, they see the incoming. You know, I'm convinced and absolutely certain the church will not go through the tribulation. The rapture will take place first. But for a half a second, pretend like we are in the tribulation. If you and I right now were in the tribulation, and the Apostle Paul told the Thessalonians, no way are you in the tribulation. But if we were, we would know what comes next, the coming of our Lord. And the people in the tribulation will know that the next phase is the return of the Savior and the King, the Lord Jesus. And maybe that's what's going on here. That's why they're shouting for joy. Verse 15, therefore glorify the Lord in the east. Ah, the people of the east. Now that could refer to the Jews. They realize that they, compared to the rest of the world, they lived in the east. The name of the Lord, the God of Israel. The name of the Lord, the God of Israel. Glorify the Lord. Those of you who live in the east, the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. And again, the rabbis say, guess what? This verse is saying east and west, north and south, the whole world. The whole world will be glorifying the name of the God of Israel, the Lord, the God of Israel. Boy, the world hates the Jewish, Jewish people. The world, world hates Israel. And someday they're going to have to acknowledge that Israel's God is the God of Scripture and that Israel's God sent the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read the rest of verse 15. Let me read it again because I didn't finish the verse. Therefore, uh, glorify the Lord in the east, to those of you living in the east, the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, in the coastlines, the coastlands of the sea. That is a catchphrase for the continents. Let people everywhere, east and west, <clears throat> glorify the Lord, the God of Israel, even in the continents. While this horror is taking place, may those who are trusting him during this horrible period, may they glorify him all the way to the, the, the other continents that are at the other side of the sea. Verse 16, from the ends of the earth we hear songs, glory to the righteous one. 
from the ends of the earth. And I think Isaiah is seeing and hearing this prophetically. He is hearing in the future songs singing glory to the righteous one. Glory to the righteous one. But then Isaiah comes back down to earth, the rest of verse 16, and he says, but woe, <laughs> woe to me, woe to me, alas for me, the treacherous deal treacherously, and the treacherous deal very treacherously. Isaiah was in the midst of persecution. Isaiah was surrounded by the collapse of his people. And while he's given this, this incredible prophecy of what's coming in the future. At the same time, he says, right now, woe is me. Woe is me. I'm being dealt with treacherously. Let's look at verses 17 through 20. The terror of the inhabitants of the earth, or the terror on the inhabitants of the earth, we should, we should say. Let's read verse 17. Terror and pit and snare. Comfort you, O inhabitants of the earth. Then it'll be that he who flees the report of disaster will fall into the pit, and he who climbs out of the pit will be caught in the snare. <laughs> no matter what you do, <laughs> no matter what you do, you escape the pit, and you're not going to escape the snare. They use pits to catch animals, and they use snares, small little rope snares to catch small animals. And that's the picture going on here. Um, guess what? If you, if you get out of the pit, <coughs> you survive falling into the pit, the snare is going to get you. In other words, you're not going to escape this tribulation. You're not going to escape the horrors, the terror of it. There's just no way. For the windows above will be opened and the foundations of the earth shaken. The earth will be broken asunder. The earth will be split through. The earth will be shaken violently. The earth will reel to and fro like a drunkard, and it will totter like a small house. For its transgression will be heavy upon it, and it will fall never to rise again. He pictures the earth like a reeling drunkard who has lost control, who is staggering, uh, who uh, uh, has no hope. Uh, who is totally immobile, as, as a drunk, a drunk, a drunken, per, drunken man would be. And he said it's going to be a horrible period, a terrible period. The, the, the terror that will fall upon the inhabitants of the earth, and you're not going to escape. You might get away from this, get away with this, but that is going to capture you. The other is going to, to snare you. You will not escape this tribulation. You can't dig a deep enough hole in the ground to get away from it. <clears throat> now I want to take a moment and talk about those who absolutely, Christians, believers of the covenant and reform faith, who just, just don't believe these things are coming. Who just don't believe they're coming. Who just want to deny the reality of this. And they stupidly will say, well, this is just local phenomenon. It is. It is. Anyone reading that, if I were sitting on a desert island with a King James Bible, not even a Schofield reference Bible, and I read these verses, i say, man, this is coming someday. This isn't here yet. This is yet future. Remember that the Reformed guys get rid of prophecy as an agenda. As an agenda. <clears throat> they don't want to hear about God. 
They don't want to hear about uh, future uh, rapture and tribulation. They don't want to hear about the, the physical 1,000-year reign of Christ on the earth. You know, uh, I had a friend who uh, goes to uh, uh, the Legionnaire, Legionnaire Ministries conferences uh, in the wintertime, uh, put on by R.C. Sproul. And uh, I asked the question, I asked him one time, do you sense, there's 5,000 people in these meetings, do you sense any anti-Semitism in those meetings? You know what his answer was? An excellent answer. He says, yes, by their silence. They just pretend like Israel's not even around. Jews, Holy Land, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, God bringing the Jews from around the world back to their own land, reestablishing their own nation, speaking their ancient language, protecting them from six uh, wars that uh, uh, could have destroyed them, uh, brought from the concentration camps of, of Europe after they had been uh, decimated and cut in half as a people. You mean God has anything to do with it with, with them? Unbelievable. <clears throat> but there are people who just refuse to accept what the, these incredible passages are really all about and what they are teaching. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Well, let's go to verses 21 and 22. And let's kind of review for a second. Verses 1 through 6, devastation to the earth. 7 through 13, devastation in the social social and cultural fab, fabric of the world. 14 through 16, the survivors around the world who will be glorifying God in, in the midst of all this. 17 through 20, the terror on the inhabitants of the earth. This is almost virtually repetitive of how we started this out. And then verses 21 through 22, judgment on the demonic, fallen, angelic hordes. And, and did you know, are you ready for this? The Jewish rabbis, that's what they hold about this passage. Let's read the verses, then we'll read what the Jewish rabbis say. Verse 21, so it will happen in that day. And by the way, that's a catchphrase for the tribulation. It's not a, a literal, just a 24-hour day, it's a period. It will happen in that day when all this happens, when all this takes place, that period, that day, that the Lord will punish the host of heaven on high. Now remember when Satan fell, he took, uh, he took some evil angels with him, the fallen angels with him. There are the elect angels, who, the holy angels who remained with the Lord. So we have two angelic forces today, and there is a constant warfare, by the way, going on. Uh, there is a, a warfare in space between the holy angels, the elect angels, and the demonic angels. And we know that this is the demonic angels. How do we know that? The host of heaven, he will punish the host of heaven on high. That's the demonic angels. That's not the good angels. When this day is taking place. Now, now why will a judgment fall upon the evil angels at this, this time? Because the evil angels have influence upon the earth. Satan and his lackeys, his evil angels, the, the, the demons, the demonic angels, are, are, are influencing the world, marching it towards uh, Armageddon, if you will. You cannot explain, coming out of Hollywood, all of the evilness that's growing rapidly more evil, if you will. Simply natural. You, you just, I'm just sorry. I, I won't accept it. There are, there are spiritual forces 
behind the industry of television and the movie industry uh, uh, that it cannot be explained naturally, that influences and, and causes some of the leadership in Hollywood or, or, or the television to wake up in the morning, what more dirty sitcoms can we put on television? How, how much more morally can we push the envelope? It has to be. You can't tell me that people just, um, and, and don't get me wrong, they're not puppets. They know exactly what they're doing, but they're being inspired by the evil host of heaven on high. The rest of verse 21, and the kings of the earth on earth, and they'll be gathered together like prisoners in a dungeon, and they will be confined in prison, and after many days they will be punished. Now, this is referring to the angels that are kept in a... The evil angels are in three categories. This is the best way to explain this. There are three categories. There are those who fell to earth with Satan and who can presently influence humans. They are the demons. They can, they can, they can embody and they can whisper in the ear of the world. We don't know how they do that. They are far more intelligent. They are spirit beings. We're not going to see them. But they influence what's going on on earth. They are, we call them the demons. The Greek word diamonion means the higher intelligent ones. Then there are angels that are confined that will be released in the, about the middle of the tribulation. And that's Romans, pardon me, Revelation chapter 9. Revelation chapter 9 pictures the pit being opened. The pit, the bottomless pit. Uh, Revelation 9, 1. The fifth angel sounded, I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth, and the key of the bottomless pit was given to him, and he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke went up out of the pit like the smoke of a furnace. And out of the smoke came forth locusts upon the earth. There are angels, angelic, fallen angelic beings who are released now, I believe this could be Satan. Some think it's, it's a higher demonic angel, angel, angelic personality. But the one who opens the pit, uh, he's in charge of these fallen angels. And that could be Satan who releases them. And it goes on. It gets worse. In verse 13 of chapter 9 of Revelation, uh, they're, they're, the, the pit is open uh, and, and more come forth. More come forth. I mean, it's, it's, it's a terrible. The number is 200 million that come forth, uh, and they and and uh, uh, they they bring terrible persecution and pain to people living on the earth in the tribulation. And then there is the third category: the fallen angels. The first category is the is the demons, who who now uh, influence uh, the world. The second those are those who are kept in the pit, but will be released in the middle of the tribulation. And the third class are those who are kept in the pit but not released. They are kept for judgment. Look at the Jude verse 7. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they, uh, since they in the same way as these indulge in gross immorality, gross immorality, went after strange flesh and exhibit as an example and, un and undergoing, in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire, and he's talking about uh, angelic beings. Look at verse 9. Michael, the uh, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil, 
when he disputed with the devil uh, uh, over the body. Uh, excuse me, I'm getting almost mixed up. He disputed with the devil, argued over the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a r- railing judgment, but said, the Lord will rebuke you. The Lord will rebuke you. There's angels who are active. There are angels who are, uh, the, the, the devil could, could fight uh, Michael. But look at verse 6. The angels who did not keep their own domain abandoned their proper abode. God has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of that great day. And as, as I read verse 7 a moment ago, they are as wicked as the wicked men of Sodom and Gomorrah. They are equally as wicked. Uh, and and there, there are some who are held in, in, uh, in the pit to be judged uh, in the, the, the final day. Back here, back to verse, uh, verse 22. They'll be gathered together like prisoners in a dungeon, be confined in prison, and after many days they will be punished. And it's not just me, it is also the Jewish rabbis who hold that this is clearly talking about the angel. Well, it, it, there's no question about it. The host of heaven on high. Let's read verse 21, what the Jewish rabbis say about it. Uh, on verse, uh, on verse tw- 21, they say this, On the host, the host of heaven on high, the mysterious power of evil will be found in heaven, uh, and they will be brought low. They will be judged. They will be judged by the Lord. There's no question about it. The final judgment of the world, the final ju- judgment of the angelic beings. The evil powers in heaven and on earth will be vanquished, imprisoned, punished, and God will reign supreme in Mount Zion. That's how this section will end. God will reign supreme. Actually, the Messiah will reign supreme in Mount Zion. Let me review because I kind of fumbled there with a couple of verses. Make sure you got it clear. There are three categories of the fallen angels. Those who are active today. They are as evil as the evil of Sodom and Gomorrah in their evil intents and their works. They influence, especially the lost. Though Satan would love to in, uh, to cause us to trip up, but the believer. There are those who are kept in confinement, the evil angels, and be released in the middle of the tribulation. And there are those who will be kept in confinement until the final judgment. And this, could, this is, seems to be talking about that without question. Now you come to verse 23. And verse 23 has to do with the glory of the reign of the Messiah. Now the Jews say, well, this is God God reigning in Israel, uh, in Jerusalem. No, 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 no. This is more than God. This is the Messiah. This is the Messiah who will be reigning there. Let's look at verse 23, the final verse of chapter 24. Then the moon will be confused or abashed, and the sun will turn pale uh, with, its, with its shining. It'll, it, it'll be dimmed. It'll be dimmed because the Lord of hosts will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and his glory will be before his elders, the elders of, of Israel. His glory will be seen by the rulers of Israel. Now, why must this be the Messiah? Because it pictures a reigning on Mount Zion, (laughs) on Mount Zion. And of the three persons of the Trinity, which person will be seen visually? Only the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the second person of the Trinity. 
He is the God-man. He is very God, very man. <clears throat> Here he's called the Lord of hosts, but he'll reign not simply on Mount Zion, and Mount Zion is kind of a hillet there in Jerusalem, uh, near the temple, but um, on in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem itself. This has got to be the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll be frank, I, I've heard years and uh, generations just kind of say, well, this is just God, just a, a kind of a hyperbole concerning God. Uh, no, it's bigger than that. Uh, this is not just God. This is uh, this has to do with, with 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 Christ, the person. Yes, He's God, but He's the second person of the Trinity, who will be reigning on Mount Zion. I want to go back to a passage because we talked a moment ago about the uh, the angels, the, the the evil angels being confined and then punished. I want to go back to Matthew chapter eight, verse for a second. <clears throat> Matthew eight, verse twenty nine. Because in eight twenty nine. The angels, the, the, the demons, the demons, the fallen angels know that a judgment is coming upon them. Verse 29, Matthew 8, Behold, they, these are the demons who possessed the, the man of Gadarene, the, of the, in, in the, Gadar, the country of the Gadarenes, the, de, the demons who control this man in the country of the Gadarenes, they cried out and said, verse 29, What do we have to do with you, Son of God? Have you come to torment us before the time? Before it's time to torment us. And that would mean the context would be punish us. Are you coming now to punish us? And this passage in Isaiah 24 is talking about the punishment of the, of the demonic world. The punishment. And Christ will be the judge. He will be the one who will be doing the punishment. And by the way, the verse 21 says, The Lord will punish the host of heaven on high. <laughs> Guess who the Lord is? That's Christ. That's Christ. The Lord Jesus will do will be doing the punishment on high. Hey, I hope that this has has, you know, how can we say bless you? How can we how can we read a chapter dealing with the tribulation and say be blessed? Well, I guess it's the last verse. We can say because of the last verse, may you be blessed. Because the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of the divisions of heaven, the host of heaven, will reign on Mount Zion and will reign in Jerusalem. That is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we end on that very, very positive note. I don't know what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. But I'll tell you, folks, uh, it's coming. The world is building up a judgment. It's, it's, it's coming. It's going to happen. And I'm, I'm, I trust you know Jesus Christ as personal Savior. You will be raptured out of here before this terrible, terrible period comes. May God bless you for going through this study with me.